Okay. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another After Sunday podcast with your host, Corey Alstead. Am I allowed to say that? Am yeah. I the host? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're the host. And the lead pastor, Matthew B. Price. Hey, everybody. <laughs> uh, Matthew, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Yeah, yeah. we just uh, uh, drove back from Alberta and spent two days... We did. We broke up a twelve-hour trip into two six-hour chunks. So okay, we yeah. stayed the night in uh, Salmon Arm. Oh yeah, nice. And then nice. Uh, drove the rest yesterday. So I'm feeling a little tired. Yeah, I bet. I was getting a lot of uh, navigation help, is what we'll call it today, <laughs> after some sleep uh, yeah. from my wife. Oh yeah, uh, all the way through the Coquihalla. Some front seat driving. Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I hear you. Well, the Coquihalla though. Yeah, you were saying it was it was pretty uh, a little touch and little touch and go. Is that right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. We, we tried to pick the right day, so yesterday was sunny. Okay. Um, but but it you know it's all like these chunks of ice are melting, and some cars are just like flying. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's that black ice that can really get you. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And then semi-trucks go around you and uh, it's like yeah. so dangerous. So dangerous. Man, I know. That's crazy. I, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've driven that a few times in the winter and it's, it just feels like, and you start sliding and it's just like your heart just jumps. Oh, totally. Man. Well, I'm glad you got back safely. Yeah. 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 It's Thank good, you. Good How are you, price. Corey? Uh, I'm good. Yeah. We've had like a. I've talked to you a little bit about this, but we've had a bit of an adventurous couple of days. Like, mm-hmm. so Sherry, uh, my wife, for those of you who don't know, um, yeah, she's had like this, her her leg has been, it's this really weird thing. Her left leg has been like, um, it went from kind of like aching uh, over a week of, to the point today where it's like really, really painful. And so, uh, so we're, we're taking it really seriously. And so she can't put any weight on it or anything. We went for get x-rays and blood tests and we've, just so you know, we've we've ruled out all sorts of possibilities, and we're and we're like, but the doctor is she's actually going in this afternoon. We're going to go, and he's going to. It's hard with COVID, right? Because COVID changes everything, and so totally it becomes a lot more complicated. But anyways, I'm really glad they're taking it seriously, and we're going to go in today, and hopefully, um, hopefully find out for sure what it is. Like they think it might be a blood clot or something, and um, which can be quite dangerous and scary, and uh, so. Yeah. We're hoping they'll, yeah, we're, we're just glad that there's some action being taken. And so today we will find out more and yeah, you can, uh, you can pray for her. Yeah. By the time people listen to this, hopefully it'll, it'll already be on the mend, but yeah. yeah. So that's well, kind of taken over the, our world a little bit in the last couple of days here. So, um, but otherwise we're doing well. I have been praying and I will keep praying because Thanks. that, yeah, that sounds tough. Yeah. 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 Definitely a little, little scary. Um, What's okay. new in your life, Matthew? I guess uh, anything anything interesting to talk about? It's like we should do some sort of social nicety thing here. Oh, um, uh, oh let me think. No, before we left the farm, we got my mom, uh, our mom, uh, hooked up with uh, with Wi-Fi at the farm. Oh yeah. Oh. And uh, she didn't have Wi-Fi before. She didn't have Wi-Fi before. Really? And wow. they had like old school like cable through with a satellite. Right. And so Tanya's dad would always watch like like Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. Yeah. And the news. Right. Well, now she got she gets to like watch shows she wants to watch. <laughs> That's right. So right, in right, a matter right. of like a week, she's on like uh she finished I think she finished the first season of The Crown. Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. So now it's like like uh Tanya's dad would never ever watch right. that show. Yes, and now yeah, she's yeah. like boom. So she's like watch some... the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. so cute. The crowd is so good. Yeah. You should tell her to not watch Yellowstone. Okay. <laughs> right. no, okay. No, we actually like we we just finished the. I was telling you a little bit about it last time. We we have finished. There's three seasons, so we finished it. It's one of those things. That it's really entertaining, but it's just not. It's not great television, but it's like it's super entertaining and it's super fun. And it actually, she might appreciate it. It's all about like this big kind of powerful family that lives on this ranch in Montana, hmm. and there's all these outside forces that are trying to take it away from them. And mm-hmm. Kevin Costner is great. Really well, great. on our podcast with Tim, uh, you sold it to us with a solid C <laughs> as a TV show. It really is. Well, it feels like, I feel like Rotten Tomatoes, for those of you who listen to Rotten, and I love Rotten Tomatoes, like I really trust them, but I feel like they gave it like a 72%, hmm. which I'm like, yeah, that's about right. That's what it is. You know, 72, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. yeah. But entertaining. And so I can see that maybe that the, um, you know, on Rotten Tomatoes, they have like the customer, or like the, um, you know, the common folk. Yeah. Uh, their you know their version of it and then or their their score and then the experts like the you know the the uh the guys that do this for a living their score and so this one i think that the customer the common folk scores much higher because it's mm. it is very entertaining 
Anyways. Well, speaking of cowboys yeah. and ranches yeah. and stuff, <laughs> yeah. this is a bit of a jump. Ish. But I told you, I texted you about Chris Stapleton. I've been listening to tons of Chris yeah, Stapleton. You, yes, right. And I am familiar, but I haven't listened much. I would encourage people to listen. He's so yeah. good. Yeah. Is he? He's a it's, country guy, right? He's country. Yep. And so I don't listen to a lot of country, but I right. love his songwriting. So I guess he and his wife, he's like married. They tour together. So she, like if you ever watch a video of Chris Stapleton, it's his wife that okay. sings with him. Yeah. And I guess he and his wife like wrote songs for like really big name people, but about five years ago started putting out their own albums. Yes, and, I and think I've heard this. They're so good. I feel like they're musicians, musicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like nice. people who watch them, they're like, oh, okay, you guys are actually like really talented. And then his lyrics are really good. And he's from Kentucky and he hmm. blends in scriptural Christian references, but I, oh, I don't know yeah. if he is one, but yeah. like he definitely seems to have grown up with Christianity. So yeah, yeah. Um, there's a song called Scarecrow in the Garden and it's just really fascinating. Like, I don't know really what it means, but it's this picture of this guy holding the book of Revelation with a gun in one hand with his feet in the river. And oh, man. it's just, it's these images almost uh, kind of like Flannery O'Connor, like, yeah, like yeah. a God haunted song kind of mm. a thing that you're not sure what point he's making, but anyway, yeah, it's yeah. just fascinating to listen to. So I feel like the way songs are written and um, I feel like you'd like his musicianship, but it's, I think I, it's I really think good. I would. Yeah. I love I love that kind of like I feel like I've got a few artists that I listen to that are like that as well. Like hmm. I've told you about David Ramirez. Yeah, I just yeah I just he's just a good songwriter. I don't think he's a Christian at all, but he because a lot of his lyrics are not you know they're they're not at all kind of focused on God or anything maybe the things of God. But he but you can tell he's got some sort of a church background. Like he right. and he's he's a great songwriter. Anyways, yeah, really good. That cool. sounds good. I'm gonna check Chris Stapleton out. All right, everyone. David Ramirez and Chris Stapleton. Yep, yep. Add it to your Spotify. There's some good stuff there. Okay, I'm excited because I feel like it's Christmas morning. Oh, my goodness. Um, This topic of gentleness. So I preached on gentleness on Sunday, and and, uh, I've been thinking about it for quite a long time because when it was like almost a year ago or something, I was reading that book by Dallas Willard called The Allure of Gentleness, and I thought to myself, this is so powerful. Um, a gentle heart is so powerful mm. and it flies in the face of all the stuff we're seeing politically yeah. and the yeah. politically charged world we're in. And as we said, all of, all of our polarization. And, and so this six week series was really crafted around gentleness. Mm. Like mm-hmm. this last Sunday, like I was like, this is what I want to say. And it's almost like everything has been built around it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was really excited to be able to preach it. Um, I had a few microphone issues halfway yes, through. Brett was awesome. That. Yeah. He yeah, totally great. came through and helped. Um, uh, and so I was a little distracted, but anyway, I wanted to do this podcast and to chat with you just so that I can kind of think about it a little bit more. Cause I was so excited. So it feels it's funny to say Christmas morning, but I feel like this is like something I think our, our world desperately needs mm-hmm. and something that Jesus seems very excited to pour upon us. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I love that. Matthew, just a quick disclaimer. Oh, no. What? I know. No, I think, you know, you know this, but like I, so I, because I, I actually took Sunday as a holiday. Oh, yes. And normally, yeah. <laughs> sorry, you're like, yes. oh, no. Corey no, did yeah. not listen to the sermon, everyone. <laughs> disclaimer, I hate gentleness. I'm going to be <laughs> totally honest with you. I hate gentle people. I hate gentleness. Um, no, no. I And normally, just so you know, everyone, I would normally, on my holiday, I would totally watch. But we ended up going into Vancouver for breakfast, and so I, I actually completely missed the sermon. And I wanted to watch it, and then other stuff took over. So, But I, we, you and I talked about it ahead of time, and I was like, oh, this is so good. So, What were the things that took over? Like a, a, <laughs> like a nap? <laughs> That's right, exactly. Um, curry? I got to get my nap. Yeah, some yeah. curry. Yeah, exactly. Some, curry. Some, uh, some chicken and waffles on, uh, <laughs> on, on Sunday morning. <laughs> um, just staring at walls. Just, just staring a, yeah. at a wall. I like, it's I'm a little bit more important. that way. I just I love good food, and it's like, you know, you just, yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, matter matters. Okay, Matthew? It does matter. Okay, right. but I'm sorry, but I'm gonna I'm gonna vamp with you because I I uh, I love the topic and we did talk a bit about it ahead of time, so yeah, I know in general where you were going. Well, it's actually kind of cool. Maybe yeah. with you have fresh ears. Uh, yeah, and fresh yeah, sure. ears. Fresh ears. Is that a? <laughs> it sounds when you're talking about breakfast. It sounds almost like it's like a kind of food. Fresh ears. Fresh ears. We got some fresh ears <laughs> on special. Yeah, I okay. got to keep going. Yeah, there. you should keep okay. going. Okay. So re- I just want to point people to some resources that inspired the sermon from this last Sunday. Um, Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly, which I think is one of the best books of the year. Really? Um, wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and Dallas Willard's The Allure of Gentleness that I mentioned earlier. Um, if 
anyone's interested to listen to Daryl Johnson on the Daryl Johnson podcast preach. It's a sermon he gave at First Baptist Vancouver, I think back in like 2005 or maybe it wasn't that long ago. Anyway, but on blessed are the meek because meek and gentle are the same Greek word. Um, So blessed are the gentle. Uh, And so he preaches a a fabulous sermon on that. And then, um, as I've mentioned before, the Winsome Conviction podcast, they have a a whole podcast on gentleness as well. And so anyway, those those two books, the sermon and the podcast, were very helpful for me. Um, Cool. That sounds good. Over and above the Bible, of course. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) You say over and above? No, over. Oh, wait. Oh, wow. uh, Hold on. Wait. That was wrong. (laughs) That was wrong. Uh, Grounded in the scriptures. Yep. These were four other resources that were helpful. Super important. It's important to have extra scriptural um, support, right? That's right. Good. Okay. So, quick overview of the sermon. Um, I started with a story just where I uh, kind of called my brother a Nazi. Oh. For his pro-choice views. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we were talking about eugenics, and I was oh, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, wow. And so he's like, Matthew, I'm not a Nazi. And I and, and I just said, like, there's no way that that conversation's going to go well if he feels like right. he's a Nazi. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and and I talked about the movie War Games from the 80s where mm-hmm. Matthew Broderick saves the oh, world yeah, yeah. Uh, from nuclear, uh, nuclear destruction because he teaches the computer how to play tic-tac-toe against itself, and he realized right. in the game of nuclear war, there's no winners. Hmm. But the, the computer learns the phrase mutual, mutually assured destruction or mutual assured destruction. Hmm. Like both parties are going to get annihilated. Gotcha. You know, yeah. and if we don't come with the gentleness of Jesus, both parties will be annihilated. Hmm. Um, and so the question really is, how do we cultivate gentleness in an age of outrage? Um, and, and, I, and I looked at Galatians 5. Um, where we talked about the acts of the flesh versus uh, how to walk by the spirit. Okay. And I said, the acts of the flesh, usually we go to this passage to look at like sexual morality and, and drunkenness hmm. and maybe envy. Right. But there's a bunch of other words that when I've preached that verse before, I like totally skip over it. And the words are hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, and factions. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, I don't ever pay attention to those seven words. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, I'll go to that. I'm like, oh, walking by the flesh is sexual morality, right? Right, And everyone's right. like, yeah, sexual morality. But what about these seven words that have everything to do with hostility towards yes, each other? Right. And I love... Um, and I in the same category, right? Or the same, the same sentence. Same sentence. Yeah, yeah. Same sentence. And uh, the word factions, the New Living Translation, translated as the feeling you have that everyone is right except your little group. Everyone is right or everyone's wrong? Oh, everyone is wrong except your so, little yeah, group. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they translate a whole, like, they take one Greek word and make it a sentence in the New Living Translation. Mm, oh, wow. Well, yeah. Yeah, which is like, I'm like, yeah, that's so true. Everyone uh, is wrong except my little group. Yes, right, right, And right. Paul's saying, this is, this is, these are the acts of the flesh. Yep. And so if you want to walk by the Spirit, what what's the fruit of the Spirit? Well, now we know those. The yes, fruit of the Spirit yeah. is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, yeah. self-control. Yeah. So I walk through all the places in the New Testament. It's like a hidden secret. No, an open secret, I think is the right term. Open secret, like right, it's right, right. everywhere, yes. but we're yeah. not seeing it. Hmm. Honestly, Corey, like in most of the books of the New Testament, there's something about gentleness, hmm. about God cultivating gentleness. Um, That's really cool. It's so cool. And I just feel like it's suddenly when you see it, um, it's suddenly everywhere hmm. uh, and and uh, I talked about what what Scripture seems to suggest is more of a gentle conviction, okay. rather than just like the feeling of being a doormat or something. That's not what it's yes, getting at. Right, right, right. It's yep. like truth matters, conviction matters. But your best way of getting that truth across is by being gentle. Hmm. Like your best shot, <laughs> right, um, is the person lowers their defenses. You come gently, and they can actually have an opportunity to hear. Uh, you have an opportunity to hear them and they have yeah. an opportunity to hear you. Yeah. Um, and so gentle conviction. So four quick things to be, to walk in gentle conviction was, uh, to walk in humility. Um, looking at Jesus kind of talk of, uh, a plank in the eye, <laughs> you've right. got a plank in your eye or C.S. Lewis. I quoted him on bad breath. Usually the oh. only people that have bad breath are those who, uh, you know, p- people who have bad breath don't notice it, but everyone else in the room notices it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, right, so it's yeah. like, let's walk with humility and realize that 
there are things that we need to deal with, the plank in our eye, our own bad breath um, as we walk in humility. Um, secondly, mm. practice the art of listening. Um, and I was really encouraged, and I've mentioned this to you before, that uh, the counselor that I see mm. showed me that the father and the prodigal son listens to the, the, the outrage of the older son. Right. Yeah, yeah. And 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 doesn't rebuke him. He just gently listens. Mm. And then he just says, Hey, listen, inside there's a party going on. You're welcome to come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The door's open. I love that. But he but he listens, right? Listens, yeah. So That's practicing right. the art of listening. Number three, avoiding tasty shortcuts. As those are like the 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 good feelings that last very quickly when you want to cheat a little in a conversation. Right. So it's like the sarcastic comment. Or mm. the like, the little rant, or raising your voice, right? Like yeah. all those things like feel good in the moment, mm. but they're they're I call them tasty shortcuts. Yeah, and uh, and Dallas Willard talked about having the discipline of not having the last word, practicing the discipline of not mm. having the last word in a conversation. That's a big one, yeah. I thought that's huge, and um, we talked about God being long of nose, which means slow to anger. Oh yeah, like, it yeah, takes right. a while for his nose to get. That's the Bible yeah. project, right? Yeah. Right, I remember that. And then, sorry, this is taking a while, but the last point I had was to limit social media and mm. that actually when you meet face-to-faith, face-to-face, face-to-face, that in, it increases empathy and that what social media does is it really keeps us from empathy. And I want to talk about some of these things a little bit more yeah, in this that's podcast. Good. Yeah, but I like that. Yeah, so I think um, when we question, is the time for gentleness over? I don't think so. You know, oh. someone could go, we're at war. You know, gentleness, yeah. we could have done that a while ago, hmm. but I'm like, no, I think <laughs> we trust the coach. This is his plan. Like, let's, let's keep moving. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on that, Corey, before I keep going? Yeah, no, I just, not, not a lot, but I love, I love it. And I just, I do, hmm. I think you're so right. I think that it's like, it's, it seems like, and for whatever reason, for me, I know personally, man, when I, like I've, I've just in different authors that I've read or, or people that I know, like when I, when I'm encountering gentleness, like it is like a what do you call it? Like a salve to the heart. Like a, you know, like it's yeah. just, there's something about it. It's just so, it feels so, so much like a gift from, from God, right? Like every good gift comes from God. And, and I guess the other thing I just, I, the fruit of the spirit, like I feel as though I just, like when I, when I read through the fruit of the spirit, like that's been a prayer for me is like, God, that's what I want to be. Yeah. I want to be someone who, who has the fruit of the spirit, you know? And so these, all these attributes and you, you do notice like there's, there's just, there's nothing about aggressive, assertive, like, you know, you don't have that in the fruit of the spirit at all. Not that it's bad to be assertive necessarily or whatever. And sometimes you might have to be aggressive to, you know, whatever. But, but I'm like, what I love about the fruit of the spirit is that it actually feels like there is like, I think I've said this to you before, but I feel like there's no one on earth. Okay. Very few people on earth that would not find this attractive mm-hmm. fruit of the spirit. That wouldn't, that wouldn't mm-hmm. want that, wouldn't want to be that or wouldn't want the relationships that they're in to be described in these ways, you know, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, like faithfulness, all these things. It's like, yeah, those are, they're just universally beautiful attributes. Yeah. And that's the spirit of God. Like, I I just love that. There's something about that that feels so almost like, yeah, almost like little, the little hairs on your arms stand up. It's like, wow, God is like infiltrating, (laughs) you know, the world. Anyway, it's very cool. Totally. And and because like when, whenever somebody says, Oh, like, oh, he got destroyed in that argument. Right. Or like, you know, you go on YouTube and it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Ben Shapiro destroys, destroys. somebody yeah, or something yeah. like that. Usually the only people that like those moments are the people that either agree with that person or they know that person part of their tribe and they're like, Yeah, you said it. Yeah. But you haven't won that other person over. Totally. Totally. Like I don't think the I don't think we've gotten further in the world because of that. Hmm. Now I the pushback would be Sometimes there are times to, I don't know, I guess the most extreme <laughs> thing is you do put people in prison at some right, point. Right, right, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> like you do yeah. actually have to say, hey, time's up, you're going to prison. Like yeah. you actually, there's something that has to be said to you. Yes. Like the judge actually has to say you're guilty. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I think I'm talking about in the world of of getting somewhere with an argument Oh, not an argument, getting somewhere with an idea, um, furthering a relationship. Mm-hmm. If you're ever wanting to make progress in anything, <laughs> out moving at maybe the penal thing aside, like the, you know, just the, the idea of justice in a courtroom. You right, know? right, right, right. Yeah. But I think like if, if there's ever a relationship that you have with someone and you want to get ahead, 
you're just never going to get ahead by those tasty shortcuts. Totally. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think that it is true. It's funny, you know, that, that term, I don't know if we've done on this podcast, but you know, I've talked about it, like might is right. You know, right. where it's like this idea that that's, and sometimes it, it, that's how our world works. Like if you have authority, then you, you know, you are the person that gets to fire someone if you need to, or you're the person who gets to push your way into something. But, but it is, I think it, it seems like anyone would know that the, the best way to even to speak into someone's life, right? If you're like, you know, it's like, well, I want to hold that person accountable. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, uh, you know, and, and it's not a clear cut thing where it's black or white, but, but it's like, I guarantee you will have far more success holding each other accountable, holding someone mm-hmm. accountable when you have relational credibility, totally. when you have, and, and that of course involves being gentle with one another, like, cause you don't build relationships on, <laughs> on force, right? No one can build a relationship on, on aggressive force. It's like, no, no, relationships are built on, on a gentle, mutual care for one another, you know? Totally. Um, yeah. Anyways, that's great. Totally. I love it. Yeah. And, and there, I think there does come a time where you may not be able to have a relationship with someone anymore. Like you think of someone who was abused by someone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well then you put boundaries down and you go, listen, we, we can't actually be in each other's life. But as long as you can, and you're not in a, an abusive relationship yeah, or yeah. something, and you want to have a relationship with someone, gentleness is the only way to go. Totally. I, 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 I really, um, uh, I really think the, the beginning here, and this is one of the first thing I wanted to just hear your thoughts on, but just is that at the beginning, we have to acknowledge we have a problem mm-hmm. before we can move on. Like we've got a... Um, We've got a problem, and I think I want to kind of talk a little bit about the church, um, because we're truth followers. Like we, we follow the truth, and we care about truth. Yeah. Right. Um, but it can so easily be uh, arrogant and prideful. Mm, totally. Because and and it's really going to be hard for us as Christians as we think about how to move ahead. Like I was thinking actually about Ravi Zacharias and yeah. this situation that happened, and I thought, well, he was a truth guy. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I'm not talking about how I don't think he was arrogant in how he spoke to people. Like I think he was very winsome and yes, but he had logic. Like his he was his mind was filled with truth and logic. Right. But his he clearly had a character flaw. Um, yes, and just yeah. if anyone's listening to this and don't know what I'm talking about, this was a popular Christian leader who, who has just come out had horrible um, uh, um, moral failures with many women in his yeah, life, yeah. and and just it's it just horrible to read. Right, he, the report he came away out a couple of years ago. Now he passed away a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah. And this is now I just can't imagine what his family's dealing with. Oh, I know. Right, yeah. An extremely well known apologist. Right, someone who defended the faith and who wrote books about totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there's a gap between truth mm. and character. Totally. Yeah. Right? And I don't know how you get to that place in life. I mean, well, actually I do because of my own struggle with pornography. Mm. Like, and um, I feel like I need to say this every time, but like I am walking in freedom in that area. Yeah, but, yeah. but years, 10 years of porn. And I just, like, I do know how you can believe something to be true, but mm. not have the character to follow. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think that's why we as Christians need to be really careful because we could have all the truth we want in our brain, but the character piece, and specifically for today, the how I share the message, the state of my heart, the lack of love, the lack of care for the other person, it can be pretty dark. Totally. And yeah. I think we need to acknowledge we have a problem. Um, I wanted to read Kerry Newhoff here really quick, a quote from him. He says, the hardest part about influence is that it takes years to build and seconds to lose. Mm-hmm. With every post, rant, video, text, sermon, or link to some weird web sp- website spouting the latest theory, you're either building influence or diminishing it. People either trust you more or trust you less. If you're a follower of Christ, you believe the in- influence you've been given is a trust. You're not leveraging influence for your sake, but for the sake of a cause much bigger than yourself. You'll never know you lost influence with the people you've, you're called to love and to reach. They'll roll their eyes, unfollow, and decide that once again, Christians have lost credibility. Hmm. Now, what he's doing is he's talking about how you are not very gentle on social media. Right. <laughs> but I thought, Corey, what do you think? I mean, like, have you felt this? Have you experienced this? Like, I feel like the church has a problem. Like, yeah, yeah. With, with how we're sharing the truth. It's not that we're not people of truth, but how we share it is massively important. Totally. I, you know, I, 
it's funny. I remember like a funny situation and like years ago when there was a like so and I actually won't even this idea is because sometimes I feel like you turn on the TV and you see like you see a preacher yelling and there's there's something about like there's like an angry demeanor to him or her and it's like there's I've always been like ah like I I don't know like and I get I know people are different sometimes people are like man I just I didn't need I need someone like that I need someone to just tell me how it is you know I've always been uncomfortable with it. Actually, I'm, I'm glad, Matthew, you're not a yelling preacher. <laughs> not that I'm... I can be. Yeah, I don't know. No, actually, I can't. I don't know. I've never heard you yell, <laughs> ever. <laughs> you should try, just for fun. No, you shouldn't. Um, I'm I'm glad you're not. Like, I, I think I... I remember encountering it, and I've always been... I've, to be, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus. I've always been puzzled by... Yeah, by people that are really drawn to that. And I know, oh, it's just passion. It's passionate. But, but sometimes it, it can feel... Like, yeah, like you say, angry or arrogant, or there's a swagger. There's like a, there's mm-hmm. something that just feels, the, yeah, the opposite of gentle, right? The opposite of gentle. And I think it's why we're drawn to, or I'm drawn to, um, to, to people of faith that, yeah, that have been, that have been gentle. You know, like you think of a, of a Mother Teresa or like, you know, you just think of the, sort of the giants of the faith that are often, it's, they're often described as just very gentle people. I think one of the challenges is that in our world, you know, you could you could make a surface argument saying, "Well, you can't get a lot done." The gentle people don't get a lot done, you know. Whatever, and I think someone like a Mother Teresa would say, "That's right. Yeah, it's one life at a time." You know, it's like we're not. Right. I'm not doing this thing to get on social media or to get like this many likes or to you know. It's like, no, it's often gentleness is actually the opposite of, of um, you know, whatever of like being being on a big platform or be, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of interesting too, right? For it's sorry, not that I want to get too philosophical about it, but I feel like in some ways what's hard for let's say the Western Church or the North American Evangelical Church is that like so someone like you, Matthew, it's funny because I know the last thing you want is to be um is to it, the cult of personality. The last thing you want is for yeah. people to be like, Oh, I just you know, like they're they're they flock to North Island because they love Matthew's preaching. I'm sure, and I know you well enough to know there's something about that that you would find quite uncomfortable. Yes. On the other hand, I'm like, well, you you know, Matthew is a great preacher and and when people are really gifted at something and, and are effective at something, well, guess what happens? People are drawn to it, right? And that's whether it's preaching or whether it's anything. It's like people, and so then what happens is it's it's so hard, I think, for for gifted ministers and gifted people to um, to kind of continue, like to keep that humility that's part of it, right? Like I think when you get a platform, mm-hmm. it can be really easy to suddenly be like, oh, I can, you know, there's a bit of bit of arrogance can start seeping through and suddenly you you know and not that i'm saying it's i'm not trying to like tie it up in a neat bow but mm-hmm. i feel like that's the challenge in our in the world that we're in right now as the church maybe yeah and and i think like i'm thinking of people who've had a big platform like i know i know someone who knew dallas willard mm. i said he really he was telling me this like a couple of months ago and he said like honestly when you talk to dallas off stage mm. or dallas walked up to the pulpit on stage, yeah. it's the exact same Dallas, hmm. right? And I wonder, like, I wonder if there's something to that. Hmm. Like, there's no personality that you put on on right. stage, yes. right? Yeah. And and I think of Daryl Johnson that way. Yeah. Like he's yeah. been that. I think of Rob Teeson. Rob, if you met Rob in the foyer and then yeah. Rob up on stage, <laughs> right. it's the same Rob. Totally, it totally is. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. And and I, and I think like that's such a gift. Like mm-hmm. when you think of people who who aren't putting on some act, right? Cause see, to me, when you're not gentle, like you're, you're, you're doing something, you're, you're, um, you're pushing or you're, you're raising your voice yeah, or you're yeah. trying to manipulate. Striving. There's like a, yeah, there's something you're, you're doing something. It's like yeah. acting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're, you're yeah. Yeah. Putting on some kind of facade. I don't know. It's funny, by the way, the reason, Rob, if you're listening, the reason I laughed is just, I have so many funny memories, like Rob, and people probably know this, but he is, Rob is such a funny person, so oh, I have yeah. so many little funny moments with Rob, whether he's, and actually it's funny, because whether he's preaching, or whether it's just you're talking in conversation, he'll just have these funny little one-liners that he'll say, and I'm like, oh my word, you just said that out loud. <laughs> Anyways, that'll be another podcast. You're going to have to apologize to him. I'm sorry, Rob. You're going to have yeah, to take so, him out for lunch. <laughs> yeah. Can I just tell a fun little quick humility yeah. story? I know this yeah. is like... Um, so my friend Ryan, uh, who Ryan Dahl, who many of us know actually, he shared a story uh, a couple of years ago. He was at this big conference because he he runs Praise Charts, which is always so goes to these big conferences. And anyways, he was just chatting about um, after the conference, he he was talking to this little old couple, 
And this little old couple, they're like, they're somehow they just got into this conversation. Ryan's really talkative guy, and he was saying that he's a worship leader. That Ryan, because Ryan, you know, leads worship sometimes in different places and stuff. And and they're like, oh, they're talking. They're like, our son, you know, sorry, I'm putting on the old person voice, but our <laughs> our son leads worship too. And you know, they're like, oh, that's very cool. And so they're talking and sharing. Well, yeah, he well he plays guitar as well. And oh, that's so cool, you know. And da da da. Anyways, this whole long conversation. He said like the sweetest couple. At the end, he he catches their names, and it's like their last name is Tomlin. <laughs> and it's like it turns out this is Chris Tomlin's parents and he just said like I mean I know it's not Chris necessarily although maybe he is but right. they were just he just said they were so there was such a lack of ego or arrogance it was this yeah. very beautiful Aww. conversation and they didn't really it's almost like they didn't even realize that it's like well Chris Tomlin is he's kind of one of the biggest worship leaders in the world you know and yeah yeah anyways it's just kind of a cute cute story yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely um so I think like this couple, <laughs> the Tomlin couple, sound yeah. different from what I sometimes feel. I would just hate to see our Christian culture moving to a place where uh, we've sowed the wind, but we're reaping the whirlwind, which, uh, as it says in Hosea 8, mm. um, they sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. Um, if we haven't sown seeds of gentleness, how are we ever expecting to reap um a harvest of the fruit of the spirit, right? Mm. Like if we're not sowing in those ways. Right. So I do, I do have a bit of a, uh, it sounds like a weird way to say it. Like I worry a bit for the tone of the Christian church mm. in an age where we're feeling like persecuted, you know, mm. we're feeling like, like cultures turned against us yeah, and we don't have maybe the, the platform we once did. And what what do we look like when we feel like we're starting to become the minority and you know um we're in now in a post-christian world where people don't people maybe aren't is- interested in yeah, jesus or yeah. the church anymore and totally. we've lost our seat at the table in some conversations and so hmm. how we respond in this age i think is massively important totally anyway because you know it doesn't matter how I shouldn't say it doesn't matter, but I think that if you're if the package you're delivering has truth in it, but it's framed in let's say angry rhetoric or totally. like it, it really doesn't matter how true it is because because there's going to be so many people that just will turn away in disgust. They're yeah. not interested, and so and actually what might happen is they'll go and they'll listen to someone who has a beautifully gentle message that actually has a lot of untruth in it. And they'll be like, I'll take this. I'll take this any day because yes. I don't want to be yelled at. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to f- be talked down to. I don't want to be judged. I don't want you know like. And right. so, anyways, yeah, that's that's a sobering thought. Well, because if you th- we're people of truth, we got to say it like it is, mm. right? Like if mm-hmm. you hear Christians say stuff like that, yeah. Well, I'm like, you know what? Most people are going to do. They're going to roll their eyes. Yeah. And move on with their life. Totally. Totally. And in their mind, they've just canceled you. Yep, that's <laughs> like right. They just dismissed you, yeah. you know, and yeah. It's very true. Hey, this is interesting. Yeah. Nobody is teaching gentleness. This was the second thing I want to talk to you about. Mm. It's crazy. So there has been a dangerous lack of teaching on gentleness across the board. I'm not talking about Christianity. So a guy named Dr. Perry Glanzer, he's a Christian professor at Baylor. Yep. That's a big Christian school in yeah, Texas. Yeah, man, we were there. Yeah, we were there, we man. Went, we were totally there back in the day. Waco, Texas. Waco, Texas, Shake known for bake. yeah, <laughs> known for a few things. Yeah, <laughs> but, David Crush. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. That was anyway, those are so good memories. Fun. Such a good memory. Yeah, Baylor. Sorry, interrupted you. No, hey, Corey, that was a great memory. It was David a great Crowder memory. Band. Oh, so a conference. Good. Such good food. Such good food. Yes. Yeah, that was really fun. Back okay. to my point. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> so at Baylor, there's this guy, Dr. Perry Glanzer, and he and a colleague. Uh, looked at uh, books written in three different categories uh, in the last, like, in recent history or whatever. So he said he studied virtue ethics in the past 50 years. He looked at every book that's been written on virtue ethics in the last 50 years. He said he looked at academic books on character education for children. So he's like a teacher, Mm -hmm. uh, professor to teachers um, in the education department. He says, like, okay, let's look at all the books that are written about how kids' characters are formed. Right, right. right. Any yeah. academic book, hmm. anywhere. Um, then he said he looked at academ- academic books on psychology. Hmm. Any. And he said in, in all three of these categories, so virtue ethics, character, character education for children, and psychology, in the three areas you'd expect to find something about gentleness, he found nothing. Hmm. He found not a single book written about gentleness, not a single book that had a chapter on gentleness. Like... No study 
in recent history has been done on gentleness. Then he and a colleague in 2006 uh, looked at all the character qualities that public schools in America were trying to teach. So like, for instance, like if you go to my home state, Oklahoma, and you go to like maybe different parts of Oklahoma, different school boards, or there'd be different laws in Oklahoma of like, okay, these are the character things, the character qualities you need to teach children. So things like, um, uh, uh, respect, right, right, uh, yeah. tolerance, hmm. um, whatever it is, you know, yeah, t- yeah. Uh, teamwork or sure. something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, right? right, right. So he looked at every public school district in America, hmm. right? He and his colleague, and they put together all the different words of like, okay, we're teaching tolerance, we're teaching respect, we're teaching okay. Uh, he said, uh, forgiveness or whatever. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness was only being taught by one school district in America. Wow. It was yeah. in Arizona <clears throat> or something. <laughs> and anyway, and so like this whole list of six, and they made 64 words. They came up with 64 unique different words. And gentleness is not on the list. Huh, interesting. So it means wow. in all of America, no one is developing a curriculum for children hmm. <laughs> on gentleness, right? Wow. It's just It's yeah. just not there. Right. So he, he, Dr. Perry Glanzer says, is that, isn't that interesting? Or maybe it's not telling us something that we don't know already. Right. Hmm. Look around. Are you seeing gentleness anywhere? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, it's crazy, both in education for children and in the academic world, nothing is being Hmm. taught on gentleness. Yet when you read the new Testament, it's everywhere. Wow. What, yeah. a, what, what a cool gift we have mm-hmm. to actually give to the world. Yes. Yeah. That's so good, man. Isn't that interesting? That's crazy. It feels tragic. Like it feels like it's tragic like, and it, and it kind of makes sense too. Right. Even in politics, right. You like, I think like it's true, you know, it, I would say Republicans nor Democrats can claim that their candidates are gentle. Like there's, there's, no. there really isn't a gentle approach to politics. You gotta, totally. you gotta destroy the other team. And you got to make sure that you do whatever to discredit and to, you know, yeah, it's all these things that are the opposite of gentleness. Wow. That's like, that's really crazy. Yeah. And if anyone is, wants to know the like I can send them the article, like it's, yeah. it's really cool. So if, if you want to Google it, just Dr. Perry Glanzer and, uh, and you can look up that data. Hmm. Man. Yeah. It feels like such a unique gift that the church can and really should be offering. And again, it just feels mm-hmm. like, I know, I'm sure everyone says this in every time period, but I feel like. Of all times, it just seems like now is the time where this can be just an absolute diamond of a gift that the church offers, you know? Yeah. Hmm. 100%. worth doing a lot of thinking and praying about. Yeah. So, Corey. Yes, Matthew. I want to talk about power. Wow. Okay. Is everything boiled down to power? Like Nietzsche. So, you and I enjoy Bishop Barron on the Word of Fire, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, Word on Fire uh, podcast. And yeah. he did, I don't know if you listened to this episode a while ago, but he did a little introduction to Marx and Nietzsche and Foucault. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. it was really cool. And one of the, in his description of Nietzsche was that, you know, when God is dead, everything now is will is willpower. It's right. all about power, power games. And it's, it's not right right or wrong. It's He's just, just it's the, the way, way it is. Yeah. It's the way the world is. And... Um, and so, and so everything is a power game, right? So uh, there's, and and we and you hear this in the warlike language that we talk about, right? In our culture wars, um, everything's a battlefield, or we got to fight. Um, it's interesting. This has come up with uh, videos of Donald Trump, but then the Trump team showed it of a bunch of Democrats, and everyone's using the phrase "fight." Hmm. We got to fight, right? <laughs> right. Know? Yes. Yeah. Fight, 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 and fight, and every, on the left and right, they're using this expression "fight." Right. And. Um, and everything's like a war image, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this is this is what Nietzsche is getting at that there's that there's this there's this willpower and it's power against power, and um, and uh, I guess Jesus. This is where I just I just say I think he's probably right about assessing the world, quote unquote, mm-hmm. <laughs> the world without God. Right? It is just power games. Right. Um, yeah. But you see the sacrificial love of Jesus, who said the only battle is really with the powers and principalities of this dark world. Mm. Um, and and so we move with, and this is what I want to say, we, want, we move in with the power of Jesus. Because actually, I think gentleness is powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not timidity. 
I think there's a distinction between timidity and gentleness. Timidity is living in fear about what another person will think about you. But I think gentleness is stepping into a situation for the good of the other. And, um, and what I want to say is that uh, it's powerful. It, it is the power of God. So that's why the cross is the power of God, because it's the only way to change human hearts. Hmm. Anyway, I don't know if this is a deep point, but I was thinking about power in Nietzsche, the power games, the war games, but how this truly is, gentleness is power. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Matt, I just got a text from a friend, a, a dear friend from Winnipeg who has been struggling with cancer, and she's a really thoughtful, she had a huge a huge role in shaping my life as a as a young musician and worship leader. And mm. she, it's funny, she hired me to be her boss <laughs> at, uh, at the meeting place, my first church. Cool. So her name's Jane. But, um, but she, had, she had actually was quoting, talking about Eugene Peterson. Uh, and I forget, it was his book that's based on a painting. Have you, do you know what, I forget what it's called. She, I hadn't actually heard of it before, but... Oh, the uh, uh, Fincher, uh, Kingfisher. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the... Anyways, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but she just talks, about, and, I, and I'll butcher this probably, but she talks about how he says like, how Jesus exemplifies power. He exemplifies power like in uh, in the context of relational care with people. Like he he does have power, it's clear, but it always seems to be towards um, uh, towards the betterment of of people or in relationship. And he, and he writes about how in the desert when Jesus is tempted by by Satan. Um, all of these these uh, these temptations that Satan offers him or puts in front of him, they're all actually void of, they're all exterior kind of displays of power, right? Like turn these mm. rocks to bread, throw yourself off this this uh, cliff, you know, like it's all, it's removed. It's like kind of these grandiose displays yeah. as opposed to this very, uh, yeah, a much more gentle and relational display of power, you know? Totally. And it, last thing I was going to say, and I know I've said this before to you, you and I have talked about this, but like, there is that, um, I used to love that author, uh, Shusaku Endo, and we've talked yes. a bit about him, and he wrote this book called The Samurai. And there's this moment in this book where the, the samurai warrior, who is not a Christian, I think he's, I don't know what his religion is, but it's definitely not Christianity. In fact, he, he loathes Christianity because he, one of the things that he can't stand is looking at this, this, um, this cross with a figure on it, right? And he's just, he shakes his head. He's like, he could never understand how could you ever worship a God who is so weak, and yeah. gentle, right? Who so right. who would allow himself to be crucified in this humiliating way? Like who would ever worship this God? You know, but it's actually this is a. I hope it's okay. It's kind of like a spoiler alert, That's but okay. but uh, it's at the end of his life when he is actually going to be executed himself that he actually he suddenly he looks on the cross and he suddenly has this new moment of just being like oh like he suddenly understands why why yeah. he can worship this God because. He's like, I, I forget how he puts it, but basically this idea that that suddenly I realize that there's this God who who actually suffers with me, who understands mm-hmm. and who actually walks with me. So it's, I mean, it's a little indirect, but it's very much about about gentleness and a different kind of power, right? Yes. It's a very beautiful picture. That's so beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. And I think, uh, I think uh, when, when I think of gentleness and I think of... Uh, the power of God. Um, I think what, what maybe practically what that looks like is, is that when, when you've lowered your defenses, it's, it's a powerful way for you to, when, when I interact gently with someone, it's a powerful way for them to lower their defenses and then to actually go on a journey with them. And I love how Rebecca, uh, Willard Heatley, this is Dallas Willard's daughter says it. She said, um, this is not a gentleness marked by passivity, but a gentleness aglow with shoulder to shoulder journey, with a shoulder to shoulder journey together over steep hills and through dark valleys. Hmm. The beautiful thing is that when you're gentle, you actually say, rather than me coming at you with force, um, we actually go shoulder to shoulder on a journey where we discover truth together. Hmm. And, um, And it's a powerful way to suddenly make your enemy into a fellow person on a journey with you. Mm. Um, which, which I just absolutely love that picture. I um, love that. So beautiful. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about social media, Corey. Okay. So, uh, in the sermon, I talked about Frankenstein, the novel Frankenstein, and mm. it was written 200 years ago by, you know, uh, uh, Mary Shelley. Right. And, uh, she, like when she wrote that, like how prophetic this idea of like science, 
making this creature that eventually turns upon on its on its uh, creator right yes right? yeah and thinking about the conversations we're having about like algorithms and the social the mm. social dilemma yeah, yeah. and how uh, how how it is that that social media tools are actually turning upon their users mm. um, and creating them into beastly people right uh, it fuels these echo chambers of things you already know mm -hmm. um and uh it makes people uh, lonelier more anxious uh whatever you know those yes. of you those who have seen the 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 documentary will know but i thought when we talk about discipleship in a digital age um as carrie newhoff says often christians aren't providing an alternative to the anger and outrage online they're fueling it so that christians mm. are actually part of the problem which we mentioned at the beginning of this and so in a Frankenstein age, <laughs> hmm. as the creature is turning upon its creator, I feel like we have a massive role in going, let's be people who do our best to meet face-to-face -face hmm. so that we can grow in empathy. Because when I look at you face-to-face, -face, I yeah. have empathy yes. more than yeah meeting you in the comment section on Facebook. Totally. Yeah. What do you think about all that? The idea yeah. of technology, Frankenstein, <laughs> uh, the idea of empathy. Yeah, I think it's so true. Like I think I mean, I think social media can be a, a it's like anything. It can be a good thing uh and it can certainly be or it can be a a beneficial thing like for depending on what you're using it for and, and how you, you know, it, like I it's funny cuz I know I have a few friends that I see that it's been in some ways so so good for them who they've kind of been outsiders in their life and and I've noticed like on Facebook it's like oh it's kind of neat that this person uh, I I notice that this person will will post really cool things and people actually are drawn to those cool things and they'll comment and you could just see that it's like oh this is a neat thing for for this guy and I love it but but absolutely I think it's like I remember a, a, a mentor of mine once talking about how warfare has changed, and this is kind of a weird <laughs> little side thing, but it, it has to do with this. Where it used to be, where it was hand, it used to be a hand-to-hand -hand thing, right? Way, way, mm. way back, <laughs> um, and far more, let's say, quote, fair, you know, unquote. Um, it's now changed to people in air-conditioned rooms pushing buttons that where where the missile is launched, you know, uh, right. like a thousand miles away from them, and. And I think that's what social media can be like too, right? In the comment section, it's way easier to be tough, and it's way easier to, to to lack, yeah, gentleness, and to just because you're like, you know, whatever. Like I don't know, this, I'll probably there's a good chance, depending on who it is, I, I may never meet this person. I probably will never meet this person, right? On whether you're in a public forum or wherever you are, and um, I think it, I think back to your original point or one of the original points that it it never actually I. It seems very rare that you see, let's say, a big, long kind of war of words in the comment section. Mm. And then at the end, one of them is like, okay, well, you've convinced me. I think you're right. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's like something never. you never find. It yeah, does not totally. happen. It's like, it's like, well, I, I think I hate you like a, a ton right now and, and we'll probably never talk again, you know, or sure. or you're no longer my friend on Facebook. And it's, yeah, it's so damaging. I think, yeah. No, I think you're right. It, it does damage to empathy for sure. And face to face. Uh, who's at the top? I think it was in one of your sermons where you talked about how the importance of just face-to-face -face interactions, which yeah. you just mentioned now, like um, to argue about things. And I've always felt like that with hot button topics, like, like let's say abortion or like the LGBTQ, you know, like some of those things where if someone were to tweet, what do you think of same-sex marriage? You know, I, for my answer always would want, I'd always want to be like, if you can give me two hours over coffee, Yes. I'll, I'll respond to that question. Exactly. You know, like, exactly. but I can't do it in a tweet or, and oh, I will not sound do bites, it. Right? Yeah. Or yeah, exact sound bites or like abortion. What do you think of abortion? It's like, Hey, can we, yeah. Can we go for a walk on the Houston trail or, or Fort to Fort? And, right. and uh, if you can give me a couple hours, I will give you, if you really want to know, I will, I'll walk you through right. kind of how I'm trying to figure this out. You know? Oh, this is so good because like, I feel like some people I know have pushed back in my life and have said, well, Matthew, why aren't you just saying the truth? Just mm. tell the truth. Mm. And I'm, But the truth is, <laughs> it takes a while to unpack the totally. truth. Yeah. Like if I just give the sound bite, okay, I'm, I'm pro-life. Mm. And I believe that babies are, right. you know, well, you've lost the person. Like you've lost the interaction. Like yeah. is my goal to just quote stand for truth or is my goal to actually, actually maybe hopefully see somebody maybe change their mind to think a little yeah. bit more, uh, biblically about something or, or whatever. Totally. Yeah. Anyway, but I, I just feel like uh, 
that temptation to just quote stand for truth is such a tempting one. Yes, yeah. But I don't think it actually furthers the conversation. No, and ironically, tell me what you think of this. Like ironically, it's like if let's say you use that example. If someone said, "Are you pro? Like you know, where do you stand?" And you're like, "I'm pro life." And that's your answer. In one sense, it's true. I guarantee you, in many many ways, there has been something untrue communicated to many people that would read that. Because they would make all sorts of assumptions based on the the title of pro-life about mm-hmm. you that I would say if they said to me, well, here's what I now know about Matthew Price. I like I would be like, nope, I think you're assuming a whole lot of things about what right. that means right. that he actually, that's that's actually not, like, absolutely. Is he, is he, is he pro-life in terms of, like, caring about babies and, and believes that life is sacred? Absolutely. But does he, you know, like, there's so many things that we've talked about that quite a bit, but it's like it can actually be, I would make the argument, that it can actually be a weird form of not necessarily dishonesty, but but where of miscommunication when you mm-hmm. when you say things in a really tight and succinct way, because it's like like you say, there's so much packed in. And the truth is very complex. And it's like it's well, this this will take a while for us to actually like you say, yeah, put some yeah. context to all of this. Hmm. Well, that's that's exactly why sometimes for us as a church it takes a while to get through complicated series. Like why did it take us nine weeks to do the LGBTQ right. series last year? Yeah. Because it takes time to talk mm-hmm. about complicated matters. Why is it taking us six weeks to do this series, right? Yeah. Like, is it really that much to talk about? Well, it, it just takes time to, to, to walk through complicated things. Totally. And I, and I want to be known for that. Um, hey, one of uh, uh, somebody who listens to this podcast, Herb Thiessen, asked a great question. Um, and so I wanted to respond to it. He said, a suggestion, uh, a question for the podcast. He said, what about Jesus' response to Pharisees, calling them snakes, and to the money changers, where he has this righteous anger? Um, how do you exercise the spiritual gift of gentleness and exhortation and prophecy at the same time? <laughs> you know, uh, for example, naming sin. How do you do that? Um, how does Christian rebuke work? That's a great question. Yeah. Thanks, Herb Tyson. You're the best. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I think I've tried to mention this in a previous podcast, but um, I think gentleness, even when you confront someone with their sin, I think it's the only way to do it hmm. because it's the it gives them the best shot at hearing what you're trying to say to them, and and by them hearing the rebuke itself. Like, so let's say somebody, um, I'm just going to use an example. So somebody, let's say a husband sleeps with a woman that's not his wife. Mm -hmm. It's adultery. Well, when I meet with that person, they need to hear, listen, this is adultery. Mm -hmm. And there are some ramifications. Let's say you're a life group leader. Okay. You you have to step down as a life group leader and Mm -hmm. you need to process this healing with your wife and Mm -hmm. you need to apologize to her, whatever. Now, if I come angry when I say that to him, or if I come and sar- with sarcasm, or if I raise my voice, yes, um, I'm actually not doing the best for him or his marriage. Like when I, re- if I rebuke, I say, "There's a clear there. There is a clear right and wrong, and you've done something wrong, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to come and I'm, I need to tell you that. And actually, you've lost some responsibility, but I'm going to do it gently. I have to do it gently, yeah, um, because I actually realize that." He needs to hear the truth. That's one thing. It's just mm-hmm. practical. He's not going to hear it if I'm not gentle. He yeah. needs to hear the truth. And secondly, for his healing, um, he needs to know that I'm going to be there with him to walk with him in this journey of healing. Mm-hmm. If he if he re- if he repents, right? Yes, like yeah. I want to walk with him through repentance. Mm-hmm. I want to be someone who is helping see his marriage restored. Mm-hmm. Um, now the wife may or may not choose to <laughs> restore the marriage. That's up to yeah. her. But I want to make sure that I'm walking with this husband going, hey, you know, keep falling on your sword here. Like, keep yeah, repenting, yeah. keep walking in humility. And I want to be a trusted confidant in his life as he walks through that. So I still think in areas of rebuke, um, it, you can do it gently. The other thing is, and I've said this before, everyone likes to think they're Jesus with the bullwhip um, right, in the right. temple. Mm-hmm. But, but it's just, it's, it's Jesus was the son of God that had total ability to judge the world. 
Hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And he could see things clearly in revelation. It says he had, he has eyes that are like burning fire. Hmm. And that's this idea of he's able to see penetrate deep into the soul of a human being. I don't have that vantage point. Right. So I don't, I can't make my own whip and go into the temple as it were. I can speak true things. I'm not saying I can't speak true things, but I think the play call he's given me is to always do it gently. Um, Yes. And so, you know, everyone thinks they're a prophet. And we've said this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everyone yeah. loves being the prophet. But I, I thought, what if, and I said this a few weeks ago, what if we could raise up an army of of gentle, of people who work with gentle conviction hmm. um, uh, rather than an army of prophets that everyone thinks they're right? Right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? totally. Yeah, um, that's true. But anyway, no, I appreciate that question. And Herb is just, he, he's tr- it is right. It's, 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 very difficult it's to do totally and it seems like okay and matthew you can i'm not sure if you agree with this it seems like when we look at least at a at a at a broad in a broad stroke kind of way jesus did seem to reserve his calling out of people he seemed to reserve that for the most part at least to the very kind of the judgmental religious leaders the guys who were actually the ones who were not being gentle like and he wasn't specific about saying you're not being gentle but but his it wasn't it was like to the to the sinners and the the ones that were way down the you know the moral pole let's say or the ones that were you know the woman caught in adultery or the the tax collectors the prostitutes the you know the woman who's like you know wiping his feet with her tears and yes. like though he was just so gentle and and again we've all, totally. we've said like absolutely it's not like he's saying it's all good it's fine but he was just absolutely gentle and loving towards them it seemed to be the ones that were that were actually the judges and who were like coming down hard on the sinners, let's say, quote, um, those are the ones that he actually seemed to reserve his judgment for. So that's just another little interesting side Absolutely. note to it all. Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. Okay. Anything else, Corey? No, it's good. This is really good. It's good food for thought. And I think it's like, for me, I think I have to resist the temptation of the spectacular. That's, it's almost what it seems like. Not that I'm, I'm not saying that I'm this person that wants to be spectacular, but I mean, I just, it, it does seem like you sometimes, you do sacrifice efficiency. Yes. You know what I mean? Maybe yes. is what it is. Like you're, I think it's like sometimes again, you just think of, I remember, I think I, tell me if I've told this story before, but when I went to that conference and the, this guy talking about his, his pastor who made hard, who's like, he just respected him so much because he made hard, he could make hard decisions. Like he was talking about firing people because it was a mega church, but he's like, man, I've seen him make like such a hard decision and not lose a wink of sleep at night, you know? And I remember just being like, oh, like I just, I would never want to work in an environment like that. I just, I wouldn't, I would want, and I know, again, not that I'm trying to build you up too much here, Matthew, because, you know, I don't want you to get huge ego or anything. No. I'm just kidding. But no, but I do feel like what I actually really appreciate you about, and I know that there have been hard decisions over the years, and, and that's that's part of the, it's part of how you have an organization and a church and stuff, but I know that it's like, it, it's it's been agonizing, right? I know that when those kinds of decisions have to be made, just as an example of letting someone go or whatever, it's agonizing. And that I appreciate, I want it to be agonizing. Like I want to know that it's like, that that this is a, a super hard decision because you know you're going to hurt someone. Totally. You know, as opposed to that kind of clinical, yeah. you know, like cutting it off too bad, that's how it is. And I'm not going to not gonna care about it. It's going to keep, you know, it's like, oh. Anyways. No, sorry. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you. Um, absolutely. I just... Uh, I, I I think that pastor, if they can just fire someone with such a cold, in a cold way, yeah, clearly clearly something deep down inside them they they don't have that empathy, uh, that gentle empathy, and there's something, yeah, and and I want to end with uh, maybe a, the remedy to that. Okay, the remedy, yes, um, and it's Matthew 11, and I shared this on Sunday, but it's the only verse in the Bible where Jesus describes his heart, hmm. and he describes it as gentle and humble. Hmm. So come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. And in a polarized age, uh, we need that rest, the easy, the gentle, humble yoke of Jesus. Yeah. And he invites us. He says, come, come if you're weary and burdened, and yeah. I'll give you that rest. Because if you look at the core of who I am, says Jesus, like, when you dig down deep into my heart, I'm gentle and humble. Oh, isn't it just, yeah, it's so true. I, I think like, I, you just hear that phrase, rest for your souls. And you're just like, oh, it's like you just feel I automatically, it. I need that. Yeah, that's what I need. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah, I love it. Okay, we good?
Is that it? We good. Man, <laughs> okay. This was like Christmas morning, Matthew. Man, Christmas morning. <laughs> Christmas yes. morning. And I can't help but when you said the word yolks, <laughs> yolk, it made me think about my breakfast. That's where we went on Sunday morning. It all comes around. My yolks is easy. Yeah. <laughs> when you said I wasn't at church on Sunday because I went to yolks on Sunday morning. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Okay, maybe we'll cut this last part. No. <laughs> okay, no, no, it's good. Okay, anyways, this was great. Really good. Yeah, I love it. Um, North Langley? We apologize for the ending. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll but see we you later. But we do love you. See you later.